This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new episode of Mercado and Manning Media Week's weekly TV podcast. We've got a bonus episode this week. We're going to be speaking with Carly Heaton as an executive producer of um, a quite impressive list of Australian drama productions. A couple of shows really um, creating a bit of buzz on the drama radar at the moment. They're Heartbreak High on Netflix and Significant Others on the ABC. Carly, welcome. Um, you'll be talking with myself and uh, my colleague and podcast co-host, Andrew Mercado. But I thought we might might ask you first about um, h- how do you get to be an executive producer of hit dramas? I mean, wh- wh- where do you start? H- how did you get into the industry? Uh, well, I always wanted to be a storyteller and do something like this. But um, see, there's many different ways to skin a cat and how you get in. And I was very thankful well, very lucky, I suppose, to have some really great mentors and people that really encouraged me and pushed me, particularly in my early days at Foxtel. Jim Buck and Penny Wynn, Brian Walsh all gave me so many opportunities and encouraged me, you know, to follow what I wanted to do, which was tell great Australian stories. Um, so it's a bit of encouragement, really. You know, you don't know the opportunities are there until you have people that sort of open up that path for you and make way. Yeah. Carla, you've worked on several great Foxtel dramas, Secret City, Upright, The End. Um, In moving to Netflix to make Heartbreak High, uh, was there a bit of a difference? I mean, uh, Foxtel, uh, you're able to, you know, push the, the limits with their ratings there, but does Netflix give you more freedom in terms of how explicit your series can be? Um, I think it's a question for them, really. It, it, it's about <laughs> what audience market share you're going for. And I suppose the genre of program we made for them in a young adult show really allowed you to explore that sort of stuff. Apologies for my email going off there. But um, so it's the genre, I think, allows for that rather than necessarily the broadcaster. Because you have worked with Netflix before, is that right, with um it was Secret City partly a Netflix co-pro or? They were, but the lead on that um, was Foxtel in terms of creative, so. Okay, okay. Before Netflix were officially in the country as a, when oh, they right, were doing yes. deals when they were buying Australian content as a partner rather than commissioning stuff themselves. So Netflix, locally, their first drama commission was Heartbreak High. Heartbreak High incredibly successful like i would imagine way past your wildest dreams it's been so successful to be trending all around the world um the original heartbreak high got to about 70 countries do you think your version of heartbreak high ultimately through netflix it's gone to more than that straight off right yeah it's hard to um quantify because in the old days we didn't get the actual numbers of how many people watched it in those other countries obviously um but i think the reach we've got immediately is quite strong and that's been quite overwhelming for um, all involved in the best possible of ways. Um, Yeah, having something launch globally at the same time is quite an unusual, well, it's not anymore, I suppose, but unusual locally. Um, Yeah, it's quite unique having that moment where you know that everyone's watching it once and a lot of our cast were getting um, DMs in their social media from Brazil and um, Kenya was a big market for it, funnily enough. So, yeah, really odd and wonderful. 
Is it um, what what what's sort of been the the um, secret to the marketing? Is it is it large? I mean, obviously, being on the Netflix platform instantly gives you a a big potential audience, but there's a lot of content as well as Heartbreak High that people can choose from. Is it how much of it is word of mouth? I think significantly, particularly for this show, um, there was a massive uh, push, and this was this was an organic push, not by Netflix or anyone else, on TikTok by fans. Okay. So they were generating immediately. Or, I mean, Netflix did did a phenomenal marketing campaign, but the organic reach from places like TikTok with fans doing re-edits of the show, making their own scenes, that was fan fiction immediately, like spin-off ideas about, you know, where the story could go, and that sort of energy like experience that on Wentworth when I was working on that, there was some really passionate fans. But, you know, that built over time, or is this just like, bam, go. Um, so, I mean, we've only, it's only six weeks, I think, since it launched. <laughs> wow. So, you know, having people writing fan fiction and doing re-edits and picking up on little nuances within the production is, you know, insane, really. You're making a teen high school drama in a market where uh, HBO is making Euphoria and the British are making Sex Education for Netflix. How did you make a global show but still keep that real Aussie essence of it, which still shines through in Heartbreak High? Um, It's actually funny seeing some of the Americans come through and try and ask what you know, they just can't understand whole swathes of it. But I mean they get the they get they they get the subtext um and when it's contextualized. But I think the Aussiness is what makes it. Mm. You, know, you you get an insight into a different world. That's what sets it apart. You're sitting, mm. you know, it, it, it's not those other things. You get an insight into Australian life, into Australian schools, and to what life is like here for kids. And I think globally that's why it's resonated, but also that's why it's resonated locally. You know, teens haven't seen themselves mm. like that on air since the original. Yeah, so I think that's why it's worked. We've stuck to the Aussiness is the very reason it's worked. Carly, did you get at, at what stage during production and, and did you really start to think and did you think that that you might have had something quite special? Um, was there Did there come a moment that you, either casting or during filming or, or, or did that come maybe in the editing when you're putting it all together? It was a pretty, both for this and significant others and anything shooting when we were shooting was a pretty intense time. It was through the first COVID wave locally, um, through a lot of very bad weather and it was all location shooting. So I think there's a lot of pressure. It was quite a pressure cooker. Um, So I don't know when we thought we had anything special, but what I knew we did have was a really special team. Right. And a really special bunch of creatives who were all putting absolutely everything into it. You know, and when you know that your team's magic you know, from cast, crew to everyone, then you know that you've got something special. So I don't think it was any moment, but just seeing how talented and amazing the team were around me and how much effort they were putting in, I thought, wow, this is um, under the circumstances too, which were really trying. I thought, wow, yeah, I think this is going to be something good. And that was more from the spirit of people, right? And that's what you do it for. Mm. There was something quite brilliant about the way that you acknowledged the previous series while still making this new series completely its own. You know, I thought it was really inspired to bring back the character that Scott Majors played in the original uh, because he's now got a queer son and he says in the final episode to his son, look, I used to be racist, sexist and homophobic and he admits to it and, and that was so brilliant. Can we talk about Scott Majors and also about the other work he did behind the scenes 
scenes with the younger actors? Yeah, and I suppose that goes back to us trying to find um, how we were going to reimagine this and what was the essence we wanted to keep. And we spoke to a lot of the previous um, creators, writers, crew members about what made that original special. And one of those key factors was the um, dramaturg, Nico, who's <laughs> the writer of Mad Max. Everyone knows Nico. But the cast from the original said how important that was to them. So we're like, okay, we need a dramaturg on set to be with all of our emerging cast members and to help them through the process. Um, and Scott was part of the Fremantle family working on Neighbours and a few other shows. It's like, well, it just makes complete sense for someone who's got directing experience, mm-hmm. who's got acting experience, who has experience of Heartbreak High to come on board and do that role for us. And then in addition, of course, he got to be his old character again. So it was part of bringing that essence forward, I think, Um was one of the things that we did. We did that behind the scenes and then little Easter eggs, as you saw on the scene. It's still Hartley High, still shot in the same area, and a few of those Heritage cast members. Tell us a little bit about the um, filming process, Carly. Did you did you have to were – you, were you able to film it sort of in sequence, episode to episode, or did you have to do lots of blocks for, for where you could in maybe in school setups or something? Well, the intention was to shoot in sequence. <laughs> but come this time last year, I think it was, God, about we started shooting a couple of weeks from now, but our first COVID case before Christmas, by the end we had half the cast and crew had either had it or been in isolation for one or three weeks with it. We could no longer shoot in the school, outside of school holidays because of, you know, all the requirements around, um, well, no one was allowed in school after that point. So at one point we were shooting three blocks at once with three different directors on three different sets on the same day. Wow. Um, and a lot of our our team went back after the Christmas hiatus, which we had to push, and we had one person in our costume team. The rest were in isolation. So I offered to go on iron clothes, but they <laughs> uh, my shirt and rejected my offer. So, um, yeah, they were... It was it was all the best intentions, right? But you know, again, it was that team having all the directors on set and having all the cast moving around and everyone working on the school to get shot out by the end of the um, January school holidays was a phenomenal experience. Really tough, and everyone worked their pants off, but um, yeah, rewarding. I recognise a lot of the locations because I lived around there, so I'm very happy to know that you're making those kids jump into Marne Pool as we're going into summer rather than the middle of winter. Um, but tell me, one of the really interesting things I thought in reading about how you came up with the storylines was the discussions that you had with actual teenagers in high school now and how their stories drove you to, to make it as realistic and as authentic as possible. Can you tell us about how you got those, some quite raunchy stories out of those young kids? Yeah, and I think that talks to, again, grabbing that essence of the original and something they did really well was that authenticity of character. Like obviously it was still drama and there was sort of crazy stuff going on, but you recognise those kids mm. um, as your friends or, you know, yourself. So it's like how do we do that again? So we spent a few intensive weeks just with kids from all walks of life across Sydney and just listened to them and played games and, you know, drew their stories out. Um, and we realised what had evolved in terms of the storylines from the original, in terms of the thematic storylines to now. There's a lot of similar stuff, you know, race and class, mm. but 
these kids nowadays have so many worldly pressures on them, you know, climate change, um, gender identity. It was um, so that's where we realized that's where we have to push forward or, or, or make a part of the show in the reimagining that wasn't there in the original. And then, of course, we all tapped into younger, younger siblings and cousins and Hannah Carol Chapman, the creator, borrowed from her younger sister for the um, incest map, which is the cornerstone of the whole series. That's actually a real thing. And now you can see it's been re- replicated in a Victorian school, which is, um, you know, that's no, you know, you've considered it, right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Some Catholic school in Melbourne I saw on the Herald Sun. Gee. Yeah. Um, the so tell me now you've you've been commissioned for a second season. I think am I right? Is that there's eight episodes in the first one? Yeah. Uh, are you able to say will there be another eight or? Um, still working it. So we've only, as you probably know, only just got green lit. So everything's still in a state of flux at this stage. But yeah, that would be the hope. Okay. Did you know before it got announced that there would be a, some more or no? Okay. Right. Okay. So we always hope, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. We, we did some speculative work in in the hope that that would occur, but yeah, we found out basically at the same time as everybody else. So, and what would sorry, Andrew? What what just following on that? What would be the schedule? Do you are you do you need to come up the scripts now and then you'll you'll film sometime next year, or did you have yeah. a bit of an outline ready in case you did get the, the yeah. green light? We did some speculative work in the hope that we'd be get green lit. Um, so we've obviously got that behind us. But, you know, the puzzle now is knowing where Greenlit is. It's another really busy year, thankfully, in New South Wales particularly. Like we were doing a little back of the napkin count yesterday and I think we got up to 12 productions in Q1 in New South Wales next year. Wow. So it's like, when can we go where we can actually get crew? So- <laughs> <laughs> You've got one of the longest working act working in Heartbreak High, and I know you used her again in Significant Others, Maggie Dents. I mean, Maggie Dents, when she was doing the Mavis Bramston show back in the 1960s, that was considered really shocking, and she was considered edgy for doing that. But, wow, she really takes it to the next level now with her character in this, right? She's phenomenal. And you know what? I saw her at the um, cast and crew screening for Significant Others a few weeks ago, and I said, oh, do you know that, you were rated in BuzzFeed as the top character for Heartbreak Five, <laughs> and she's like, "I don't even have Netflix. I haven't watched it. What? Like, oh my god! I'm going to send you all the episodes." Um, so yeah, she had no idea about the uh, the level of attention she'd got as Nan. So yeah, she's amazing. That's that's probably a good place, Andrew, to segue into significant others. Maybe. Um, how did that go in your timeline? Did did you work on that before or after Heartbreak High or at the same time? How did you structure it's that? It's an unusual one for me. So I actually worked on that a few years ago when we were at, when it was with Foxtel. Oh, okay. And then it moved across to the ABC, and um, Justin Davies was leading as an EP for Fremantle. Um, and then he left the business earlier in the year and I took over when he left, so straight up the back of Heartbreak. Um, and they were finishing filming and we sort of finished that not long before we delivered it, actually, so probably only <laughs> six weeks ago or so. Wow. Um, and that's, I mean, that's got a phenomenal response too. We're so proud of it. Um, Tommy and Tony have done phenomenal work together. Weather-wise, significant others, uh, it looks like you hit a lot of rain, cloudy, dark skies, but that actually seemed to work. You're filming in a very similar location as Heartbreak High, but, you know, that sort of stormy weather, did that help you with significant others? 
Yeah, I think as the team will say, it really played into the mood of that show. I think it, you know, it added that emphasis around the thematic storyline. So, yeah, it, it worked in the end, funnily enough. And, you know, you can see a few moments where it's absolutely pelting down. You go, oh, yeah, right, that's right. I remember when that flooding was. But um, it's a surprising amount of blue sky, which anyone who worked on it would not remember that amount of blue sky. <laughs> it's funny how it comes together in the edit, right? The um, In general, do I, I guess it depends on at what stage you get attached to a project, but does the executive producer get involved in the pitching sometime? Yeah. So how we work at Fremantle is the EPs come up um, or go looking for ideas and working with creatives they know. The creatives may have the idea um, and come to Fremantle to make it with them. And then, you know, you build it up to a place where you're happy and then take it to market and take it out pitching and then stick with the project through to delivery and marketing and publicity at the other end. Yeah. Um, there was something very relatable, I thought, about significant others. I guess maybe because being a Sunday night ABC dramas, we'd seen a lot of dramas from them this year that were set in small towns with murders. And then suddenly here was this drama sort of set in the city featuring characters that I found very, very familiar. I looked at those, the family in that and thought, I know brothers and sisters that are arguing over things like that. Is that is one of the key things, do you think, of significant other success is its relatability? Completely. Tommy is one of the master craftsmen of um, character work. And they're also nuanced, aren't they? Exactly what you're saying. You can see your siblings, your cousins, your friends, and, and, the, and he allows them to mess up. And, and be real and authentic, but there's a great um, inter- interaction in the kitchen between Dan and Claire, and I keep repeating it, and I'm going to swear in front of your uh, audience. But That's fine. Uh, Dan says, says to Claire, when did you become the bigger slut than I in this family? Like, <laughs> and it's like you can see, I might be revealing too much about myself, you can see that sort of banter between your siblings and it feels real and then the two sisters dancing while they're drinking and it's like, mm. Yeah, that's, you know, it's real life. And kudos to Tommy. Yeah, beautiful work. And I think that's what definitely stands it apart. The um, I'll, I'll make a generalisation and tell me if I'm wrong when you answer me, but um, slightly older, more experienced cast, I'm guessing, in significant others. Was it much more different working on a show like that when, the, when maybe Heartbreak's High is younger? people who are in earlier stages of their careers? Yeah, it's across the board for both. So with Heartbreak, all the crew were quite young as well and the right. um, the leadership teams and the directors, the writers, the producers on both, the big, big age gaps. And that's what we did intentionally. You know, that was, you know, what the essence of the original was, giving a lot of people a start in the industry for Heartbreak High as well. And that was something that we really wanted to do um, with the new iteration and so did Netflix. And then, so coming from that, which was a ball of energy, but, you know, lots of things going in all different directions with um, lots of emerging talent and then going to something with so many experienced hands in um, significant others was like chalk and cheese and um, a real delight actually to go from the crazy energy and, you know, sometimes being the smartest person in the room, which is really unusual for me, <laughs> to to working with um, significant others and having um, these people that have, you know, have been in the industry before I was born, 
um, showing me how it's done. So it's a, uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty amazing experience, both of them. So you've ended up uh, being involved in two of the best Australian dramas of the year. I'm wondering what are your favourite Aussie dramas and have they influenced you and, and inspired you in, in some of the shows that you've made? Yeah, well, um, I think the the original premium Aussie drama when we, when, it's, when television just switched the slap, I remember that absolutely blew my mind at the time. And I think that's probably when I first realised TV was a viable career in this country. It's like the character work, the nuance, the the different approach to um, filmmaking, that completely blew my mind. And then um, I'm, I'm going to say one I've worked on, but um, it's still one of my favourite shows of all time, and that was um, The End. Yeah. yeah. Sam Strauss as a baby and Lou Smith and Rachel Gardner worked on that and Jess Thompson, the young director, you know, as soon as I saw that, I thought we have to we have to do this. Like that balance of comedy and nuance. Mm. You're talking about death, and I'm like, yeah. and there's a lot of shows that have done that since, but I think it was one of the first, and it was a hard sell for that reason. But God, I think it's brilliant. The um, look, we'll we'll wind this up shortly. My last um question for you one of it's not a question i just want to say i think andrew and i are both fans of um of a lot of the work you've done particularly lambs of god which we um really enjoyed and i think it's um it it got to a lot of people but i think a a lot more people would enjoy it if they sort of knew how good it was i'm just i'm i'm so i I think that's still out there for a lot of people to discover I, i imagine it's on um foxtel on demand um, and the other thing, well, my question is, I guess, went um, Fremantle's on a roll at the moment. You you're setting the bar quite high. Is there um, a bit of pressure to keep the um, the hits coming now? Yeah, well, two points there. So big sing out to shout out to Lingo who did Lands of God, and you and you're right. That was I was thinking about it this morning because whenever we're in a sound mix and the title sequence played, I used to sing like I did for the Game of Thrones <laughs> soundtrack. Like there's something about the epicness of that show that they delivered that was phenomenal. Um, and yeah, Fremantle's on a roll, and you know that's the hard work of a lot of people who often left the who actually left the business now too. And Joe Porter and Chris Oliver Taylor. We built this great foundation over the past few years. And, um, yeah, there's a few things in the works that haven't come out yet that we're super okay. proud of. Um, <laughs> but it's been a big couple of years, and let's uh, keep that role going, fingers mm-hmm. crossed. But, um, yeah, we've got some amazing people that um, I get the chance to work with, and hopefully we'll keep that role going. But it's a hard industry. <laughs> Well, I hate to end on a downer, but I just wonder if you could quickly tell us how how do you ever get over the fact that you've just mentioned the end? I thought it was a great show. I loved seeing the way you represented Gold Coast retirees in that show, but it didn't proceed to a second series. How disappointing is it to see something so good, yet for a whole bunch of reasons, inter- co-international production or something, it doesn't go to a second series? Do you ever get over that? it's an open wound wound, but um, you know it's the nature of it you win some you lose some don't you and it's the hardest when you find stuff like that and there's stuff you know you've got development that never sees the light of day and you're like why are people not connecting to this story like why do people not love it as much as we do and it's you know as you said timing isn't it yeah right time right place and a big dash of luck yep 
Carly, look, it's great of you um, to give us your time today. Uh, wonder, wonderful to uh, hear from you and about the production, and particularly Heartbreak High on Netflix and even significant others on um, the ABC. It's also on iView, of course, and um, we'll both of us will look forward to um, what you have for us next. Thanks Thank so you. Much. It's great talking to you. Thanks again.